When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey everyone, today's guest is a great friend of mine, Jarrett Reddick from Bowling for Soup, as well as the voice of Chuck E. Cheese. Jarrett and I discussed the Bowling for Soup song, High School Never Ends, and the relatability the song has, the pressure of following up a hit song, the direct influence music can have on your songwriting, the German compliment, and how Adam Duritz from the Counting Crows changes all of his vocal melodies when playing live. So stay tuned for all of this and much more. You know, it's funny. That song has such a cool just there's it's such a cool way that it that it really happened because I had high school never ends written down in a lyric book for years. I mean, like I so, you know, now I put things in my phone, but you know, ideas, they just come to you all the time and like, you know, in conversation, something happened to be like, man, somebody says something like, oh shit, that sounds like a really cool song idea. Can I have, that's my joke. Can I have that? <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, and then people who know me will just be like, sure. Yeah. But I want 20%. Damn it. Um, yeah. but so high school never ends was just, it was just in my head. I had had that line written for so long and, or just that phrase. And, you know, when you think about it, it's just so accurate and true. Why do you think that it never uh, uh, came came to fruition as a song, and until it finally did? How, why did why did it sit in your notebook for so long? Any idea or or because <laughs> I, I I that's an interesting thing. No one's really brought that up on on the show before. Uh, and I've I have stuff in my uh, I have riffs in my phone that are ten years old that I still haven't figured out how to how to put them into yeah. the context of a song. Yeah, I mean. I guess just because it was just pages and pages of those and I would go through it all the time. And, you know, I, I just, I knew that there was something to it because it's such a true statement because, you know, high school has this feeling about it. And then you get to college and you're like, Oh my God, these relationships feel exactly the same as high school did. And then you get in the workforce, you get in a band or you, whatever. And it's like, Oh my God, we're still talking about this, the popular kid. And we're still, you know, doing this. And, and it's, so I knew that, that it had a little bit of something. And so again, I mean, gosh, I guess I probably had that written down through the two um, other big records, and um, so I I did a, I did some co-writes for 
for the great burrito extortion case. And um, one of the one of the writing sessions I did was I, I went to New York for a while. And one of the writers that I wrote with was Adam Schlesinger. May he rest in peace. Yes. Um, Fountains of Wayne, um, the writer of so many amazing pop songs. And um, he wrote That Thing You Do and um, just the sweetest human. And we, you know, when you get into a room to, to, you know, there, there's a few different kinds of ways, you know, that co-writes work. Oftentimes somebody comes in with an idea. Uh, most of the time, if somebody's coming to you, you don't want to show your cards too soon because you don't want to give away a really good idea. Um, you know, if, if the songs, you know, if, if this guy's not going to be worth a shit or whatever. Um, and so this was my first time writing with him and, you know, he's a pro. So he was just like, what do you got? And I was just like, man, I've got this line that, um, that I've been thinking about for, for quite some time. And, uh, and, you know, it's called high school never ends. And he was like, okay, that's a cool idea. He, and then, then he was like, you know, I've, I've had this kind of thing where I was, what if we write a song about like the tabloids, you know, and I go, you know, and, and of course this is a lot, a lot of conversation is happening here. This is 20 minutes of trying to figure it out. And I'm like, <laughs> well, why don't we combine the ideas? You know, like, why don't we make high school, you know, because it never ends, let's make the fact that, you know, we are all like focused on what everybody else is doing in our lives. That's very high school. Let's combine the idea of high school never ends and this whole tabloid thing. And, um, so yeah, I mean uh, that that began the session, and that is, uh, I, I, I gotta say that is so cool because you're the first person so far that I've talked to regarding you know in depth songwriting that has has written from a scenario in your head of of, of something made up essentially that you wanted to write about. Uh, sure, you know a lot. Most people I said and I say most a lot of people that I've talked to it's all about oh well you know I was dating this woman and she broke up with me or or this was the reason for this song and this is kind of a, one of those songs that's uh, uh, you know it's kind of like writing a movie or right you know it's sure. uh, it, it's really uh, a, a different approach. So um, you were in New York, you're writing with Adam and now yeah. you're, you, you said you, you discussed it for 20 minutes and now, now you're starting to, now you're starting to get into the writing. Did you, yeah. did you have anything, any other lyric besides high school never ends? And did you have any music or chords at this point? No, nothing at that point. And, and, you know, back to your point, just because this is about songwriting, you know, this is, I, I feel like I, I, I'm, I, I do both of those things. I make up scenarios and I write from the heart. And then sometimes I write from the heart, but I don't want to give so much away that then I make a bunch of shit up. Yeah, and yeah. So you know that that you know that one thing about Bowling for Soup songs is the good guy pretty much always wins. And so as you get through that song, where you're like, "Oh shit, man, Jarrett's life must have been crazy." Well, it was and is or whatever. But at the end of the day, I take it, I twist it, and you know, make it to where there's happy ending, so to speak. But yeah. Um, another really interesting songwriting thing, uh, because you're going to have some people that are listening to this that have been writing songs for a really long time, um, because of our age. And, um, <laughs> so I, you know, one of the, th the, the, the coolest thing that came from that session was I was still writing with paper and pen and Adam was like, you've got to stop doing that. I'm like, he, he's goes, you've got to switch to the laptop. You've just got to do it. He goes, so today is the day. So that's the first song that I ever wrote, not on pen and paper. And, wow. Uh, what, and what, what was his reasoning? Uh, I, I mean, I could imagine it was just so you can, you know, quickly erase and, and not have to be scribbling yeah. stuff out or it was, it was just a to be more organized. Thing. It's a visual thing. It's a, um, 
I mean, the way that he, w- the way that Adam would write is is very unlike the way that I do. The way that I write is I start, I'll start writing some stuff down, and then as I start to improve that, all of that gets pushed to the bottom of the page. So when I'm done writing a song, you have the song lyrics all there, and in in the order that they're going to go, and then at the bottom of that is all the ideas that didn't make it, and uh-huh. you know all of that stuff is saved. Well, he would write in that like he would write something out and then he would if he didn't like it he would erase it or if we did a line and we topped it he would erase it or whatever so like everything was visual whereas with paper and pen you're scribbling stuff out you know so and then i guess also just for storage reasons you know it's like i can you you can bring that up anytime but again this is 2005 or 6 i guess when i'm writing the song and with him and you know it's it's pretty early in those days of like just you know, you're still trying to switch your whole brain over to the digital world. Sure. And, um, you know, so, but yeah, I mean, and, and now if you think about it, it's so cool because now I've gotten into a thing. This is a really cool exercise too. My friend Linus of Hollywood taught me this without teaching me. I just, I stole it from him. But, you know, when you're writing a song on a computer and you're like, the wind was da na 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 like Linus will actually write that out. So he'll write, the wind was da na 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 and he'll be like, we have to fill these syllables. So we've got the wind, and now we need to fill da na 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 or whatever. He doesn't, he doesn't want to lose the integrity of the melody. That's correct. And so he can continually hear that each time he reads it back or looks at it. There it is visually. Here's this. And then also what that does is when you're trying to really make like a really structured melody to where like – and it's, this is a big thing in pop punk where – we, we we intentionally make our first verse and second verse sound exactly the same because everything's all about hooks. And so you, you want to try on most songs, you know, you want to try to make even the syllables, the, the amount of syllables in each line the same and things like that. So um, just a cool trick there that is so easy on the computer because you can erase that. You'd be like, oh, well, I want to end this line with this word because it rhymes with that second line that we've got that's really great. You know, and then it also makes it to where you can go, Man, the second line is really a better first line. Let's take this up to the top, you know. And and then, then I'm sure you've t- I've done this too, where the the second verse just is a little bit stronger, and you want that to lead the song off. So oh, you'll, sure. you'll you'll flop them. Yeah, you flop them, and then what you find is you're like, well, maybe this first verse wasn't good at all, and then you find yourself rewriting <laughs> that, and then then you've changed the entire meaning of the song, you know, without even trying. Right. You know. So so now you're you're in there. You you've got the concept. Uh, is, is Adam at a piano? Is he at a guitar? Do you are you are, do you have a guitar? Are they acoustic? Are you plugged in? Uh, so with when when writing with Adam, it could be any of those scenarios. Um, but at this point, no, we were literally sitting there. Um, uh, and again, this is different because normally I always have a guitar with me or the person that, as you said, is sitting at a piano or whatever, or both. Um, or, you know, if I'm writing by myself, obviously I've, I'm doing a guitar, but at the same time, you know, a lot of my melodies come from just walking down the street and I sing it into my phone and then that becomes the melody. So we wrote that whole song without picking up a guitar. Wow. Yeah. So literally the entire <laughs> thing, which is probably why it's so sort of um, beat based. Uh-huh. It's, it, it's because really that was the first music that we did for it. Um, we had written through the um, the verses, which again is you know four years. I think for sure that's all you've got to endure. All the total dicks, all the stuck up chicks, 
so superficial, so immature, very just like, hey, here's something that we all feel about high school, you know? And then when you graduate, you take a look around and you say, hey, wait, this is the same as it's always, this is the same where I just came from. You know, I thought it was over. <laughs> right. And, um, and so then that get, got us to, you know, the chorus, which was, you know, super simple. The whole damn world is just as obsessed. Um, and then got us to the bridge where we actually brought into the, but again, all of this stuff, we're singing it and kind of recording it down. Um, I think I had a mini disc player at the time, so I'd record the melody down in my mini disc player. Um, and, and, and it's great too, because it's such a, you know, sometimes, sometimes these work great. In this instance, it did, where it's a sign of the times type lyric where people can just relate instantly. You're talking about, you know, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen without saying their last name. You know, right. you got Tom, Tom yeah. Cruise and Katie, you got Reese Witherspoon, you got Bill Gates, Jack Black, Brad Pitt, you know, yeah. and it's like all different kinds of walks of life. And, and so that's your tabloid aspect of it mixed with the high school never ends. It's, it's, crazy that now that you explain it now that i'm, I'm looking uh, staring at the lyrics it all all really <laughs> makes sense and the fact that you guys wrote the damn thing without guitars is is, yeah. is awesome that's yeah. awesome yeah and you're, you're right the um how did mary kate lose all that weight and katie had a baby so i guess tom straight like so <laughs> <laughs> so shows the age of that song you know because they're like people probably don't even remember that in that time there were like these rumors that Tom Cruise was gay right? and, and the whole mar uh, marriage to um, Katie Holmes was like a front and all this. And then, you know, so um, those are fun songs to really dissect and talk about in my acoustic show too, where I'm just like, okay, here's where this song shows its age, you know, but the, the bridge, I'm actually still happy with that. I'm still happy with Reese Witherspoon being the prom queen, Bill Gates, the, the captain of the chess team. Jack Black, the clown, the clown, Brad Pitt, the quarterback, you know, I, it all uh -huh. still makes sense. Right, right. So, you know, this record followed, uh, of course, uh, Girl All the Bad Guys Want was on uh, Drunk Enough to Dance, and that was in 02, I believe. Uh, and, that's right. And then 85, 1985, uh, the, you know, another, another breakout hit for you guys was on uh, Hangover You Don't Deserve, which was in 04? Yeah. Okay. So two years later, you followed, was... Now, those are two, especially 85, the two massive hits for your band defining. Yeah. And, and I would say High School Never Ends is in the top five biggest bowling for, for soup songs, in my opinion. Yeah. Was, was there pressure going into this record as a songwriter, as someone that's still on a major label, you know, still trying to, to sell records? And in 2006, it was starting to get to where, you know, that was kind of near the end of, of selling a bunch of records. Was there the thought of I have to deliver here or was just this just another song you wrote at that point? Yeah, there was a bit of a pressure there. I mean, but I guess not not the same as there had been the previous record because, you know, we had we signed a jive in 99. So our fifth record was our first major label record. And, you know, that that let's do it for Johnny had the bitch song on it. It didn't do great. I think we sold 30,000 copies. Well, then. As you said, um, Drunk Enough to Dance comes out, um, doesn't do anything for a year. Girl the Bad Guys Want crosses over to pop, and all of a sudden, it's, it's on. Uh, Punk Rock 101 does really, really well um, in, its, in its where it goes. So the real pressure was a hangover you don't deserve. Um, and so, you know, as you said, 1985 comes out. Almost was actually a, also a really big hit. It, 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 um, it actually went to number five on adult radio um and then ohio not quite as big but so there was a pressure but i kind of sort of felt like i was going in it with like yeah i can do this you know 
Um, and so I had a bigger belief in the song. It's actually a sad story. High School Never Ends is actually kind of a bummer because it went around to the radio stations and everybody, uh, at the way that it was received was like, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of 1985 too, you know? Uh, really? Cool. Yeah. And the, the, the label really didn't fight for me on it. And when they go, when you go back, everybody really thought that the follow-up single, which was when we die, which was our first ballad ever released as a single was just a smash. And so they bailed. They bailed on High School Never Ends really early. And the the now president of, of uh, Sony RCA, Joe Riccatelli, um, like one of the main men in, in all of music now, uh, basically says that that's one of the biggest mistakes he's ever made was bailing on High School Never Ends. Because it really should have been as big as 1985 or at least comparable because – you know, it, it was what was happening in those days musically and topically. It just nailed it, you know, and again, well, I, mean, I can see I can see from a lyric standpoint, it's kind of, you know, uh, I don't want to say, you know, autobiographical in a sense. You're talking about, uh, you know, current things in 85 and, and, and your current and not current stuff. You were talking about, you know, uh, Bruce Springsteen and Madonna and everything. And then you got the celebrities in this one. So from a lyrical standpoint, I kind of see it. But musically, I mean, they, these two songs stand on their own to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely agree with that. I, you know, and that's one of those things where, you know, I try not to ever, you know, get too caught up in the, in the whole, you know, like, woe is me kind of thing. But, you know, if there's, there's a few things in my career that bum me out. And that's kind of the biggest one is like, man, gosh, if, if they would have just given it, because the way that radio works, you know, it's a fight. And Oh yeah, man. Well, if here, go ahead. No, I was gonna say. Well, here's an interesting, and there's, there's, there's. This is a, a completely, you know, who knows scenario. But imagine if high school never ends was the smash on the prior record, and then you released '85 on the, you know, the Great Burrito Extortion case, and right. radio was like, radio was panning at saying, "Oh, this is just like the last song." <laughs> <laughs> right. You know what I mean? I mean that. It, you know who, who, who the hell knows? But it's so funny how, uh, you know, and. God, especially during that point, um, and it still is, commercial radio is just so sign of the times. It's so right now. It's so trendy. And yeah. it's so, uh, a lot of the times, it, it, it's what they want to make a hit. I mean, sure. you know, Kevin Weatherly out at uh, K-Rock, I mean, he he made band superstars. If he played their song 45 times a week and kept their song in rotation for three months, they were guaranteed at some point to sell a million records. It was such this big, but there was only, like you said, it was only a certain number of spots, man. <laughs> that's how that's how radio works, man. It, or or you know, and, and it was back in those days. You know, quite frankly, I can be honest about it. I mean, I you know, I I heard the things happening where it's like, hey, can you bump Bowling for Soup up, you know, to fifty five spins a week, and I'll give you a Britney Spears flyaway, you know, so I'll fly yeah. a few of your listeners to a concert and and give them. Uh, great seats to to see Britney Spears in a hotel and all this stuff and you know obviously that is highly illegal and yeah. uh, but but you know I I heard it all happening which if I heard it happening for my little fucking band you know what was what was really happening 
you know. Right, right. And, and, and that was still kind of circumnavigating the old thing they called in the 70s and 80s, which was payola, which people sure. were radio stations were uh, getting actual under the table money from <laughs> label. Right. Exactly, hey, play my band song. So they were kind of like, yeah, hey, we can't actually give you money, but we'll fly your fans out to the Britney concert. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and then what happened was, is that became when all of that blew up, that is payola. And um, so a lot of people got in trouble for that shit. And uh, so, you know. so when you when you put the record out and, and this was the lead single and yeah. uh, what was the because by this time, you know, message boards and, and websites were, were pretty in full swing. Uh, mm -hmm. YouTube uh, started in 06. So what was the if you remember, what was the initial reaction from uh, from your, your fan base? Fan base loved it. Fan base caught Burrito right away. Loved the album. Um you know, I mean, I, at this point, you know, in the UK, you, you know, there's a there's a point where UK press will turn on you after you've been around a certain amount of time, and we hadn't quite gotten there yet. So we were still kind of the darlings of of the pop punk thing in the UK. People were being really nice about it. Our shows were getting great reviews. Our tour was awesome. In fact, your producer, um, uh, Chris, was in Punchline, who supported that tour, or, or you know, a large part of it. Mm -hmm. And um, speaking of YouTube, he's the first person that showed me YouTube. And uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but um, but yeah, for those I, of you who don't know, I got I got to give a shout. Out. I haven't done this yet. Chris Fafalios is the bass player for the band Punchline out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and he is the producer of Krista Makes a Podcast. So yes. I'm going to give a give a little hand clap for yeah, Chris here. Right there, so. I'm with you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the tour went great. the 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 shows were awesome. The you know it was great. I mean, the the thing that you know. Um, is that Bowling for Soup fans are super passionate and oh, yeah. um, and very, very loyal. So they always know when something's wrong. And it was like when all of a sudden high school never ends. You know, back in those days, that's what your fan club did. You know, they're requesting you on the radio and they're, you know, they're doing that. And all of a sudden we stopped telling them to request high school never ends. And, you know, they know when something's up. They're like, what the fuck? You know, right. and all of a sudden we're, we're, we released this ballad. And that's kind of when things got a little weird as far as, you know, just the general public. If like someone hadn't caught wind of High School Never Ends and here's this Bowling for Soup single that's out that's like this, you know, this power ballad, you know, we, we got we got a little bit of bounce back from that. But uh, like I say, we're very lucky in that regard, whereas like once we established ourselves, you know, people pretty much don't give us any shit. Well, and you guys weren't one hit wonders. You had a number of hits that went to radio and you and you crossed over to pop radio. And, you know, a lot of fans will talk to me about this and they'll they'll ask questions they don't really know. And um, I think on paper, our hardcore fan base, uh, less like less than Jake, for instance, and Bowling for Soup is about the same. But you guys eclipse us in attendance because of that pop, that fringe, those those wives that were home. Uh, you know, when we, we did the tour with you guys last fall, I would see that when we'd play. I'd see those fringe people that, that those were the extra fans that you guys got from being on radio. We never had a, a crossover radio song, you know, and that and that's the difference. And and there's those people are still with you. A lot of times those people are fair weather fans. They like you today. They right. don't like you tomorrow. And yeah. you guys have been lucky to, to, to hold on to. And we're talking some nights it's 100 people, some nights it's two. 200 sometimes it's 300 people but that's the difference between a sellout on a tuesday night in lincoln nebraska and having a half-filled club 
Yeah, I mean, that's a really good way to put it, though I don't think you give yourself enough credit. I think you guys have that sort of world of the of touring with no effects and, and descendants and bands like that. So there's your guys are over here and my my housewives are over here, <laughs> you know, and that's and why. I didn't, I, I didn't say that demeaning at all. I no, didn't, no, 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 I know, yeah. but I, yeah. that, no, 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 I didn't take it that way I, at all <laughs> I, I, because you're right. Um, you, you're, you're, you're spot on. I mean, you know, when, and, but yeah, there's a loyalty. There's just something about the place and time where girl, the bad guys want was a hit or 1985 was a hit in your life that I just feel like those two, especially, but almost is, is up there. And I, and I, I do give high school never ends a, a lot of credit as well, but they're, they're just those songs. I think for a lot of people that say, you know, epic by faith no more is for me, where it's just like it's a place in time. I smell what I smelled when I used to yeah. hear that song. I I I feel the way I felt in my truck. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Drive it. You know, and and that's just that's that nostalgia that, and we hear it constantly um, when that's people come a, to that, our. That, that, yeah, know. that's such a great point that that I haven't talked to anybody about on on, on this show, and I I'd love to expound on that. Is just the fact of memories. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, for instance, uh, the latest Metallica record, Hard- Hardwired to Self Destruct. I love the record. I think it's great. Um, I think it's a couple songs are neck and neck with anything they've ever done but I don't have 30 years of memories attached to it. Like I do master of puppets. Exactly. You know, and fans will come up all the time. It's, it, we call it the, the German compliment. It's like, you know, your, your new album is good, but it's, it's not as good as hello. Rocky. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? And, and they don't really mean that. No. Like, like yeah. lit- literally they just mean it doesn't have 20 years of memories attached to it. I remember the smell when I was driving in my girlfriend's car, when I got hello rock view. And I remember, my parents were going through a divorce or whatever it may be. Those sure. memor- those memories take those people right back. And I mean, you guys do meet and greets. You see it all the time. We do too, yeah. where people come up and they're just like, it's a trip down memory lane. Oh, Jared, when I first heard 1985, I was in 10th grade. And they go through their whole yeah. story. And it means so much to them. It does. And, you know, you have groups of friends who, and, and this is a thing for our band, I, you know, there's groups of friends who they get together when Bowling for Soup comes to town and then that then they go off to their lives, you know, because that's what they grew up listening to. Or, you know, kids, kids, the big thing for our band that that I hear that, um, you know, I, that is I guess there's a few, but I hear all the time, like you're the band that our family agrees on. And I hear that so. In fact, the D. Schneider's wife once told me that D. Schneider from Twisted Sister, his wife said, "You're the only band everybody in the car agrees on." And yeah. and I was just like, "Wow," because you know we we say shit on a few songs, 
and we talk about farts and we, you know, and beer and fun and, and this and girls and whatever. But, you know, the music has a beat and, the, you know, I, you know, my voice sounds like every other fucking pop punk guy. So, you know, it's like we're <laughs> it's just that, you know, and then so there's substance if you need it, but also there's a laugh if you need it. And we're well, I mean, enough, I think. You are, and I think you're being a little self-deprecating. I mean, I, I, you guys definitely, when I hear a Bowling for Soup song, I, I know it's you guys. You have your own sound. But yeah, that's a great comp. That's probably the best compliment that that uh, Less Than Jake ever gets, uh, you know, because I've always joked that uh, we're, we're a pop band disguised as a punk band. If you listen to our melodies and don't don't listen to the drum beat going dot, 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 dot. Sure. If you just listen to the melodies in the context and Roger and I's harmonies, it, it's very popish and, and it's the best compliment. You know, you'll have a dad. It's been happening for years. It'll be the end of the show and we'll be, we'll be signing autographs or something. And the father comes and go. I just want you to know, uh, I, I can't listen to any of my son's shit except you guys. When when your stuff comes out, I, you know, I, I dig it, you know, and exactly. it's like, yeah. you know, it's like, okay. Yeah. And that same dad will come to the 21 and up show with his buds and just yeah. be like, we left the fucking kids at home. We fucking love you. You know, I heard you because of my 15 year old son or whatever, you know, and then, and man, you know. It's crazy, but in the UK, I mean, we've been huge over there now since 2001. Oh, it's so incredible. We yeah. have fucking sometimes, and it's happened multiple times, three generations, where it's just like there's a dad and his daughter and that daughter's kid or something like that, and they're all at the show, they're together, singing every word at the front row, and I mean, it's, you know, I'm certain that that happens in the United States too, but I don't have the you know i i i don't have those specific images in my mind of, of seeing them and talking to them yeah well you know, you're talking about the uk i mean that's our biggest market per capita to this to this day i yes. mean and and work both of our bands are, are are very wacky live and uh they i don't know just just look what come, comes out of the uk yeah you had the benny hill the young ones i mean they're sure. they're <laughs> they're yeah. Their type of humor is right up our alley so yeah. it's no uh no surprise that they that they love both of our bands so um the song comes out, it's released. You guys yeah. go on that tour. You're playing it. The fans uh, uh, are loving it. And like I said, to me, it's it's probably one of your, your top five known songs. Do you, uh, God, I want to say the last tour we did with you guys, you played it every night. But since 06, when it came out, have you played that at, at every show? High School Never Ends? Um, yeah. Yeah, we um we have we, I pretty much. Yeah, you know. Yeah, because it's pretty it's it's a it's a I, I had to think about it for a second because I had to go to like our 30 minute shows, you know, that we have to do at Warp Tour and things like that. And yeah, it's a big crowd thing because I come out and I do the we the beat starts and I'm like, well, oh yeah, go go. And then I'm like, oh, 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 oh. And you know, the crowd goes nuts and they sing it. It's really super loud. I'll tell you a songwriting thing about that melody right there. Um I I improvised that and I just walked into the booth and and I was just like, man, there's there's got to be like an intro. And I want to do something like that song. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> so this wasn't written with Adam, that melody. No, it was. I I wrote that. I I went in it. Uh, no, I'm talking about just the uh oh. oh, that, that, oh that, that's what I mean. That wasn't there when you created this song in New York. That oh, that part. No, I I did it during the demo with Adam. Yeah, I oh, went in there. And okay. I go, I'm oh. hearing this vocal thing. It's kind of like okay. that deal where you know the toothbrush is swinging through the forest on that commercial, <laughs> and I'm like, it's just similar to that, but like more percussive. And and I just so I just I literally did it 
that's the first thing that I did. He was just like, fuck it. That's it. You know, and that's um, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And that just goes to show you, you know, it's like how, you know, I think all of us get caught up and it's such an interesting thing. I think from a non songwriter to think about like the, the difference between being influenced by something and stealing something and all of this. And it's like, you know, and every songwriter has their own take on it. I mean, I, I feel like blatant, you know, plagiarism sucks. But we're all influenced by something, man. There's only seven chords and, you know, there's only a certain amount of Beatles songs that we can fucking all rip off, you know? So it's like, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm, I'm saying that and I'm being silly, obviously, but we are all influenced by something. When we wake up in the morning, we have a melody in our head as songwriters every single day for me. And, you know, it, it's either mine or it's somebody else's. You well, know? and it's also a testament what you just said. I mean, a lot of times our, as songwriters, our first instinct is the best thing. And then we'll milk it and we'll change it. It's got, there's got to be something better. That was just the first thing I came up with. And then you find yourself a month, two down the road, always coming back to that first initial instinct. Because, some, yeah. you know, for me, seven, eight times out of ten, that's that's the best idea. Because it was just natural. It wasn't yeah. forced. Uh, yeah, and have you, you ever that, done the? Have you ever done a demo so good that you couldn't beat it? Yeah, and 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 then, but you also wonder though. There, there's a term uh, for those that don't out there that don't know. There's a thing called demoitis. Yeah, where yeah. you're so convinced something is great, and you play it for your band, they're like, "Eh," and you're like, "What do you mean, dude? Yeah. The fucking yeah. chorus and the bridge, and then it, and the, then it goes to the key change at the right. end. It's it, it's awesome. How can you not hear that? And like. I don't know, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, or, or you live with a demo for a year and then you uh-huh. go and record it and you know, people are like, yeah, I don't really like this guitar part or whatever. Well, no, it's missing something if you don't put that, but yeah, yeah I have, I have two songs that I recorded the acoustic and I, I, I couldn't top it. And so the demo is on the record. Yeah. Yeah. You just can't, it, it, it is what it is sometimes. And, sometimes and that and just, uh, it just feels so good. You just gotta, you know, it's real. So, uh, all right, we're gonna we're gonna go uh, off uh, high school never ends topic, so to speak, right now, and, and, and venture into a couple more things I'd like to ask you. So, um, and I'll give you mine because sometimes this put people on the spot. But uh, okay. a, a, a song you wish you wrote uh, and why? And uh, for me, um, and it has nothing to do with the lyric because I really don't even know what the lyrics about, except that the girl maybe has a big butt. But uh, and uh, no, it's not Sir Mix a lot, but it's Fat Bottom Girls by Queen. Like when that oh, song, wow. when that when that song comes on, man, just those harmonies and how that chorus lifts, and it's just Freddie's got this swagger in the verses that's just so cocky and and but 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 sure of himself at the same time, and uh, it just gives me goosebumps. I love it, and I go, God, if I could ever write a song like that. What's one that comes to your mind that you you get the same feeling you wish you did? Um, it it would be Long December by the Counting Crows. Really? Um, yeah, which is crazy because that's so autobiograph autobiographical for him. Like it's basically him and Courtney Cox, and you know, going through their trials and tribulations while they were dating. Which he dated two friends, by the way, which is insane. I, I didn't know that. Uh, and his name's Adam, I believe. Adam yeah, Dirk. Dirkwitz. Dirk, yeah, I did not know he dated Courtney Cox. Okay, he dated Courtney Cox and Jennifer Aniston. And dude, uh, better man, better man than me. 
<laughs> I need to start writing uh, love songs or something. Jeez. That song is so beautiful, and and it's so like he like sometimes when a song can paint a picture in three minutes the same way a novel can in two chapters. It's just it's just beautiful, and that's what he does, man. He's he you know in that song, it's just so fucking real and he just there's so much emotion in that guy's voice love that band can't stand them live because he does that thing where he changes all the songs and shit and i just want to sing along and, yeah um, why do why do bands do that I like stand like like David Lee Roth's been bumming me out the last ten years ever since he got back in Van Halen. It's like fucking. I want to hear Panama how it sounds on the record. Why do you have yeah. to embellish? Yeah. totally <laughs> agree. It's like, yeah, it's like you're fucking. You know, it's like, look, we'll we'll give you the national anthem. You can fuck that up every time you want or whatever. But yeah, but when you do jump, fucking just sing jump. Yeah. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now on Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, sing the goddamn thing. I mean, the the other thing is, to be fair, and I've had I've had a few fans over the years like, so why do you sing the the the, the bridge to Al's War differently? And and when and when they've said that, I'm like, what the fuck are they talking about? What fans don't realize is that um most likely uh, uh, Jarrett Reddick isn't sitting around listening to 1985 in his spare time. Uh-huh. Um, I, I'm yeah. not listening to my songs. You record them, you listen to them, you listen to the mixes and, and, and unless you hear them on the radio or in passing or whatever, but I don't sit around and listen to my own music. So time goes by and yeah. you, you start to change melodies a little bit live because yeah. you might think they're better in your head or you forget the original recording. So then I'll go back and go, what the hell is that guy talking about? And I'll go listen to the bridge and go, son of a bitch. I do sing it different. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's, this is, that's a really interesting topic to bring up because I now have, uh, through this quarantine, I've done, um, I've done 36 shows on stage it and like 10 or so other uh, charity shows. That's incredible. And um, that's since March 19th. Um, and today is the 21st, just in case this doesn't come out today. I'm sure it doesn't um, <laughs> of May. And, uh, but throughout this, I've done a bu- pretty much most of our albums. I've done, uh, you know, uh, 90% of the album. Like, I've been, noti- uh, I've been no- noticing that. That's awesome. Yeah. But I have noticed so many things like that as I go back to listen to them just to make sure that I've got the guitar chords right or whatever. And I have to write out the lyrics because it's just that's the hardest part, right? Your hands go to my hands still go to the chords, you know, but it's the fucking lyrics. Yep, the lyrics, because, 
you kind of know most of it, but then there's just that little ending of the thing where you just, your tongue sort of just doesn't do it unless you're reading it. <laughs> but yeah, man, I find so many of those things where I'm like, it, high school never ends as one though, actually, because on the record it goes, four years, you think for sure, that's all you've got to endure. But I sing four years, you think for sure, that's all you've got to endure or to end, to end. I don't know. Fuck. Anyway, I do it different <laughs> when it's like. <laughs> There's almost a little James Hetfield there. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> well, you know, I'm turning on the rasp for you a little bit. But the um, but yeah, I, I found so many of those little intricacies where I'm just like, oh, shit, I don't sing that right anymore. And and uh, but, you know, like you said, I mean, little things like that is fine. But Jesus Christ, um, Adam from Counting Crows goes off onto some crazy it doesn't even sound like the same song um, yeah i know it's almost like you know hey i i want to be artsy and i don't want to you know i don't know yeah. I, I don't i don't get it so a uh, couple more things i i yeah. want to ask you um i love it i love asking this question do you know when you hear a hit like from from a band or, or, or an artist like nope. you hear it you hear you don't nope and i can't hear my own hits um i um Honestly, I, I did not hear in Girl All the Bad Guys Want what everybody else heard. heard. And I mean, I can remember bringing that song home and after me and Butch Walker wrote that and demoed it and letting people hear it here at home that like aren't even fans of my band and, and them just going, holy shit, that's a fucking hit. And um, so I, I just can't. I, I, I can't hear it. I, I, I know when I think I do and I'm just mm -hmm. like. You know, and, and maybe it is just me because I, you know, I remember um, we were we were working the bitch song, and I remember the first time I heard "This is the story of a girl who cried a river and drowned the whole world," and I was like, "Oh fuck, that's that's <laughs> over. That song's a fucking smash." And um, you know, so like, I guess I can sometimes, but I don't really understand why. Like, I like Twenty One Pilots. I love. I think they're great, but some of their songs, I'm like, how is that fucking song so big like i i just don't I, and maybe that's my age you know well i think some of it's that um i mean you know th then there's other things it's just you know my wife loves taylor swift and so I will, yeah. i'll be i'll hear that in the car sometimes and a song will end and i'll be like it, it's nothing that i would listen to but i'll go damn that was a good song <laughs> yeah well taylor swift is different she's got ringers in her you know but... oh it's just unreal it's just like every second of the song's a hook it's like yeah. i i feel like uh that's you know, by design that's some yeah. avril Lavigne shit you know what i, I mean I'm, like I'm, at a, I'm at a i'm at a fish at a five thousand person fishing tournament you know you're just getting <laughs> yeah, just everywhere for days yeah. you know but you know I, who i do get is post malone i fucking get it like that that he the the dude's a genius like it's Great. Yeah, he's he's uh really crossed over. He was like kind of had this rap underground thing, and now he's just like he did that Nirvana thing. And uh, yeah. I, I got I, I got mad uh, respect for that for that kid. He's uh yeah he's do he's doing his own thing. So yeah. uh man, I want to thank you so much for for not just being on the show, but for being a dear friend, for being a real person in this plastic ass business. And oh, I can man. say that say that with all my heart. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Jarrett is the voice of Chuck E. Cheese, which is insane because I just took my son <laughs> for his, excuse me, my daughter for her uh, second birthday back in March. Oh, and, uh, I'm, I'm in there eating, uh, their, uh, 
uh, mediocre pizza. Can I say oh, that? Oh, don't um, you dare. <laughs> don't you dare. <laughs> I'm, I'm eating a slice of pizza and I hear Jared's voice come over the PA in the place. And I'm, I just chuckled to myself. I'm like, that's, that's my buddy. That's my yeah. friend. Yeah, um, so uh, besides Chuck E. Cheese, what else? Uh, anything bowling for soup, uh, Jarrett Reddick related? Uh, let our fans know about it right now, please. Man, I've got so much. I almost feel guilty. Um, I, it's spill just, it, I, spill it. I am very, very blessed. Um, my podcasts are Jarrett Goes to the Movies and Rockstar Dad Show, which Chris has been on twice. Go check that out. All, both of those are on everywhere you want to listen to podcasts. Bowling for Soup. Uh, new covers coming out all the time. Uh, we just released a cover of Social Distortions, When the when the Angels Sing. Uh, you can get that anywhere. And um, we are working on our second greatest hits. We'll be working on a new album in September. And, um, man, we're just doing great. And then, um, of course, you know, my other band, Jarrett and Kelly, new record out last year, but uh, still uh, super, super happy with that. You can find us everywhere. I'm on all the socials, J-A-R-E-T-2113. And I'm sure that I forgot something, but uh, uh, you did. You so forgot uh, once a week. Uh, you go up w- with Frank Turner on Instagram. That's right. Live. Yes, Frank Turner <laughs> talking Tuesdays. Uh, it's it's uh, every Tuesday we do a talk called Back to the Metal, and we just finished our theme song, and it is something special. I'll be putting that out soon. So, uh, I, but yeah, I, man. I, I can't wait to hear it. And of course, you've been doing tons of, uh, you mentioned earlier, tons of shows in quarantine and uh, people can follow you again on, on uh, all, all your socials to find that. Yeah. And uh, by the way, all Bowling for Soup and Jarrett Reddick merch online, if you go to our online stores, uh, 20% is going to Music Cares. And I actually have a tour shirt on there that will list every one of the stage it shows that I've done. I'm, I, again, I'm at 36 now, hoping to get to 50. Um, all of those dates will be on there. You'll be able to point to the ones that you went and proceeds from that shirt are also going to music cares. Um, so, you know, uh, just if, if you want to know how you can do more for, uh, musicians, for crew guys, for things like that, just hit me up at J A R E T two one one three anywhere. And uh, I'll be happy to steer you in that direction. Well, thanks for saying that music cares is a wonderful organization. That's awesome. Uh, Jarrett have a wonderful rest of your day and, uh, dude, thank you so much for, for taking the time to be, be a part of this. Dude. Absolutely, man. Love you, brother. And, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Love you too. Take care, bud. All right, everyone. A very special thanks to this week's guest, Jarrett Reddick and to all of you listening who have subscribed to Krista makes a podcast. So yeah, my podcast uh, revolves around songwriting, so it should come as no surprise that I'd like to write you your very own custom song. I'd love to write you a song or one for that special someone in your life, a jingle or voiceover for your business, brand, or podcast, and anything else you can think of when it comes to a -a one-of-a-kind custom song. Also, I'm now doing live one-on-one video consultations, song collaborations, co-writes, production, questions pertaining to the music business, and everything in between. To see some of my work, check out my YouTube page at KristaMakes.com and email me at KristaMakes at gmail.com. I can be found on Facebook at KristaMakesOfficial, on Twitter at LessThanChris, and Instagram at LessThanChrisD. Please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Lastly, I'd love to get your feedback and input at KristaMakesAPodcast Facebook group. All right, be good to each other. Until next time. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Grey Street.